You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. If you'll turn in your Bibles and stand um, as as we find it, John chapter 11 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, we're stepping out of our Genesis series for today. Uh, We could just, though, as easily continue in that series and preach the next message up. uh, Because really, every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection. And, uh, And so we don't have to change things around, but I do think... It's good for us to at least focus on the resurrection uh, at least once a year, and we could do it every week. But there's a statement here in John 11 that I'd like to look at today. And as we get to it, just to give you some background, this is the story. Maybe this is one that you're, you're familiar with. It's the story of Lazarus. And uh, Lazarus was Jesus' friend. And uh, Jesus was friend with Mary and Lazarus and Martha, these three siblings. And Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. Um, but rather than dropping everything and going directly to Bethany from, Jer- from Jerusalem, which would have been just a couple of miles, he waited. He decided to wait. And uh, in the meantime, Lazarus died. And you might think, well, that's not very nice of Jesus to, to wait and let Lazarus die. But, but the fact is that Jesus had a, a lesson he was trying to teach these folks, the, specifically Mary and Martha and his disciples. And we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, we pick up in the story in verse 17 as Jesus comes into town. And uh, we'll read this from beginning in verse 17. It says, Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. And that's Lazarus. He's been dead for four days. Now, Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, just a couple of miles, not very far. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And basically she's saying, if you had been here, you could have prevented Lazarus from dying. I'm not taking anything away from you, Lord. I'm just pointing that out. If you had come, he could still be alive. In verse 23, Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And it's not the story of the resurrection, but it's the truth of the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And you know, that claim, if that's true, you know what it means? We can trust him. 
if he is who he says he is, and he did what he said he can do, then there is no problem too big for us to trust him. If he conquered death, he can be trusted for eternal life. And that's going to be our focus this morning. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, we love you and we need you. And we ask that you bless the reading of your word. Bless the preaching. Help me, Lord. I, I don't want my message to come across. I pray that this message would be yours. And that your Holy Spirit would use the word and illuminate it in our hearts. And God, I look around the room and I know there are many categories of people here. Those that would claim to be believers. Those that don't claim to be believers. Those who think they're believers and they're not. Lord, I don't know uh, what, the, what the demographic is, but Lord, the focus this morning will be on those who need to trust Christ for salvation. And I pray that you would help them to realize they must come to the end of themselves and seek your, you and trust you if they are going to be saved this morning. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I was um, in my family and I went to Barnes & Noble um, a couple of weeks ago, and we were just walking around, and and I, I was looking for a book. I was just didn't know what look, book I was looking for, just if anything um, kind of popped out and, and, you know, it looked interesting to me. And and so then I started thinking about Easter. I started thinking about Resurrection Sunday, and I so I started looking around for, for anything about that subject, and there wasn't really anything of, of that much interest until I got to the front near the the checkout counter, and I noticed a book that really piqued my spiritual interest, and it's called The Easter Bunny is Coming to South Dakota. <laughs> and I thought, huh, I wonder what that's about. So I, I, I picked it up, and I, I started reading through it, and it, and it tells the stories of, I mean, I mean, I'll just have to read the first part, Okay. Now, as I do this, okay, I'm not just doing it to be silly. I'm doing it to make a point, I hope. So, um, that, that this is what the world sees Easter as. The sweet Easter bunny is skipping along through South Dakota singing this song. I have your rapt attention, don't I? <laughs> the eggs are delivered, my Easter job's done, and now it is time that I joined in the fun. She jumps, she, the Easter Bunny, I just never thought about that, but she jumps down a tunnel that runs underground and pops up again in each city in town. Pier, Watertown, the Badlands too. I bet there's a tunnel that's very near you. It's like, that's creepy. <laughs> I bet there's a tunnel that's very, okay. And then he talks about Rapid City and there's these, kids and it's it's a it's a poem the whole way through and one of the boys drops his egg and the easter bunny is there to help him and then uh, the easter bunny goes on to well there everything's better now they go to aberdeen and there's an easter parade and there's a little girl and it's the parade is too loud and she's afraid and so the easter bunny helps her and and i'm like well how is swinging her around in the street any safer for the little girl but you know it's a kid's book and then we come to sioux falls and in sioux falls there's um, you know, they're having a quick rest and, and uh, there's an egg rolling race and a small boy falls down and now he's lost his place and the, the, the Easter Bunny helps him with, with the race and they end up in first place, which, you know, teaches kids that the only way to end a game is to win. So finish, you know, first place. And, 
you know, all of these different things. It just goes through, it's a you know, cute little book. And I was reading it and enjoying it, and, and, and yet I was thinking, you know, really this is, this is what our culture views Easter as now. I'm not against this book. I'm not against what's in it. I'm not, I mean, I know some people have a problem with Easter egg hunts and those kinds of things. And, and, and you know, I, I, whatever you think that the Lord would have you and your family do, you know, get together as a family, enjoy Easter, eat ham or whatever you eat at Easter and all of those things. I'm not saying that those things are wrong, um, but we can be like the disciples where they heard what Jesus said, that he would rise again, and yet they totally missed it. And here we are and we, we have a, a celebration of a day where we can focus on the resurrection of Christ and yet our minds are in many other places. You know, Jesus, with Easter without Christ is, is, means it's just another day. He came providing hope in darkness. You know, I mean... And this is the culture's idea, but this doesn't touch what Easter really means. And I was thinking about the hope that's required in our, in our world today. And I was thinking about Ukraine. And, and I was talking to the Spillmans, John and Don, where they're former missionaries to the, the country of Ukraine. And they said they were at the store yesterday and they saw some Ukrainians coming out of the store. And they knew right away, based on what they were wearing um, that they were from Ukraine, and so they spoke to them. And, and what, what the Spillmans told me um, was that these, these people said how sad that one bad man can cause so many to suffer. And that's, that's what's happening over there. But, but that really shouldn't surprise us. Because that's, that's what happens when we remove Christ... From our lives. All that we're left with is, is, is destruction and death and suffering. Without Christ we, we don't have hope. There's no hope to the end of things if we don't have Jesus Christ on Resurrection Sunday. And see today matters because it reminds us that Jesus Christ is greater than death. And this story about Lazarus is so important because it reminds us of the same thing. Jesus is greater than death. Death is our biggest problem and Christ is our only hope. And without being too morbid today, death affects us all. You've buried loved ones. You've been close to those who've passed away. But it, it also, though, will someday it will affect me. Someday death will affect you. Personally, and I don't mean someone that you love. I mean someday we will be the one in the coffin. And someday it will be your loved one that gets the call. Someday it will be your family making arrangements. And the older I get and the closer I get um, to people that lose people they love. And the closer I get to the casket. The more I realize how important it is to be confident about the truths I cling to. And see, death is scary. Death is an unknown. Death is one of those things that causes anxiety and fear in our lives. And if I lose sight of Jesus Christ, all that Easter means to me is this. I need something more hopeful than this. I need something more real than this. 
I need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he defeated death for me. Death has a way of shaking us, it sobering us. It, it doesn't matter how old you are or how in control you feel, how confident you are. When you stand before an open casket, you can't be anything but humbled. Because death reminds us of our mortality. Death makes us think about our lives, what we're doing with our time and what matters the most and what we want people to say about us at our funeral. Death causes us to think those things. Death also causes us to be afraid. You know, we fear dying alone. We fear the process of death. We fear what's waiting after death. We fear death because judgment awaits in death. And because the shadow of death, uh, that shadow of death is cast over us, many people then do everything they can to not think about it. People don't want to think about it. People don't want to talk about it. But listen, avoiding the subject won't help you avoid that moment that you're in the casket. Death is no respecter of persons. One out of every one person is going to die. No exceptions. Now, from the richest billionaire to the poorest on planet Earth, each of us has an appointment with death. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. It's an appointment that you don't get to skip. It's an appointment that you can't reschedule. You can't put it off. One day, you will be the one in the casket. And if we're wise, we are better off addressing that moment instead of burying our heads in the sand. Death affects everyone it even affected Jesus Christ. Don't think that it didn't affect him because it did. We see this right here. Lazarus was his friend. And by the time he arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And look at verse 19. It says, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. There's this large crowd. And in that culture, it would have been uh, very uh, appropriate. It would have been their tradition uh, to gather around a family that's, caught, that's suffered a great loss like this. And, and the whole, there's a large crowd, there's friends and family, and they're there supporting those that are mourning. Verse 21, when Jesus arrives, Martha said unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been there, my, my brother had not died, um, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give it thee. And see, Martha's combination is, it's really a combination of, uh, her statement is a combination of hope and, and sorrow at the same time. She has faith, but she's sorrowful. She has great sorrow at the fact that she's lost her brother, but she has great faith in Christ's ability. And, and yet we find out that the immediate resurrection's not on her mind. So this statement begins an important conversation with Christ. Verse 23, Jesus says unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. He makes a very bold statement about Lazarus' future. And in verse 24, Martha says, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Jesus says, thy brother Lazarus shall rise again. And Martha says, well, I know, I know, Lord, he's going to rise. You know, she's pointing way down there. I know at the last day, that's when he'll rise. I know. See, Martha has faith that Lazarus will rise, but, but it'll be much later. See, in her mind, the opportunity to raise Lazarus is past. And in this culture, they had certain traditions or superstitions. And there was a Jewish superstition in that day 
that said a soul stayed near the body for three days. But on the fourth day, any hope that there could be a resurrection was over. Now, I don't know if that's really what's going through her mind. What I do know is that this family thinks, superstition or not, four days is too late. So at this point, Martha obviously believes that Jesus has power to prevent death. But she isn't thinking that Jesus could actually raise him from the dead. And here we see that their view of death was very similar to ours. See, it was untouchable. It was unknown. It created fear and it was, it was full of sorrow and full of despair. And Martha didn't apply Jesus' words to that present circumstance. She wasn't thinking that when Jesus said, he shall rise, that it meant, oh, it could be today. You know, it's the, it's, it's the answer, in answer to Martha, that Jesus states these famous words that have been echoed for 2,000 years. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. See, for 2,000 years, these words have brought light to the darkness of those in mourning under the shadow of death. And when we quote these words, they express our deepest faith in Christ. In our natural minds, there's nothing that looms larger than death. But in death's mind, nothing is greater than Christ. And I'm going to take a simple look at this phrase and, and these verses and use them to answer four questions. Okay, this is very simple today, but I just want to get us to the place where we see very clearly today. So the first question that, that I ask is, okay, who's the master of death? Well, according to verse 25, it's Jesus. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and from what I understand, there were seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And by saying, I am the resurrection of life, Jesus was claiming to be God. No one other than God could, in human flesh could claim what Jesus claims right here. And listen, he doesn't say, I bring resurrection and life. He doesn't say, I can cause res resurrection and life. Or I know the secret to resurrection and life. No, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, only God in the flesh can make that claim. Christ says, I, to know me is to know resurrection. To have me is to have resurrection and life in other words Jesus is the master of death it is subject to him apart from him you have no hope of eternal life and I'm going to say it again with passion because I look around the room and I think there may be someone in here today that if you died this morning on your way home to from church that if you died you would spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And I want you to know that you're, it's, you're not without hope. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And you say, how could he claim that? Well, first, he could claim it because he's God. Don't let anybody who's not the son of God tell you how to get to heaven. Only he is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. But second, he could claim this because of Easter morning. He arose. Death could not keep him. And Paul wrote in that great resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. He was, the first to, he was the first to raise himself. That's how he could make this claim. 
And, and he, it says he's the first fruits of them that slept. You know what that means? If you've ever planted a garden, and I, we, we like to garden, we like to uh, have a small garden, but listen, when we first plant our garden, I mean, we're, we're, we're crazy. Every day, multiple times a day, the kids are running out to see if there's something coming up. I'm like, you have to give it more time than that. But, I mean, every day we're running out. Oh, the first time there's green coming out of the ground, you're excited. There's tomatoes or jalapenos or we like to make salsa. And, it, and, and that's what we do. And, and so, listen, when the first, time, uh, the first time a tomato shows up, we get, we get pumped up. We're easily excitable, okay? Uh, a jalapeno or a habanero pepper or, you know, one of those things. I like, the, I like the, my, a little spice in my salsa. I know some of you... Yeah, I couldn't handle what you do, but just let me think that I like my spicy salsa. But I like that stuff. It's exciting. Well, you know what? Jesus was the first fruit when it comes to raising from the dead. Meaning, he rose from the dead. When you get one tomato on the plant, guess what? There's a lot more coming. And Jesus said, I'm the first fruit. Paul said he's the first fruit. Meaning that the fact that he rose from the dead means that anybody who wants that power applied to their lives can rise from the dead. He's the master over death. He's the source of the power that raises Lazarus in this story. And he's the source of power that can raise you in your dead condition as well. He's not just the resurrection. He's also the life. He is eternal life. And these two things are connected, obviously. Death has no hold on Christ because he is life. He has no beginning. He has no end. Listen, death tried to, its best to keep him in the grave. But its chains were powerless. Martha believes that the resurrection was an event later. But Jesus tells her, no, the resurrection is a person. And he's standing right in front of you. It's like the difference... You know, I, and I, this doesn't happen probably very often, at least the men in this room may not be willing to admit this, but, but if you've ever gotten lost, humbles me to say it. <laughs> if you've ever gotten lost and, and you stop and ask for directions, which we don't, but if you did, you know, that's one thing for somebody to say, well, you go down here and you turn left at the Milky Way, Turn right, it's around there, you'll, you'll see it on the right. It's one thing to have somebody give you directions. It's another to have someone say, you know what? <laughs> After looking at your face, I'll just, I'll drive you there. <laughs> and so that's the difference between what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying, I'm a directional sign and I'll point you to heaven. No, Jesus says, get on in. Yes. Yeah. I'll take you there. I am the resurrection and the life. It's not, I'm not a wayfinding sign. I'm not a GPS. I am the vehicle that you get in and takes you to heaven. I am the resurrection. I am the master over death. The second question is this, who has the answer to death? Well, at this point, hopefully you're going to start getting these. It's Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And these words are interesting. Pay attention. He says, though he were dead, yet shall he live. See, what Christ is saying is even if you die, you will still be alive. 
say, well, that doesn't make sense. No, he's saying that death is not the end for you. See, there are plenty of people, and this is a shame, but there are plenty of people that believe that you just die and that's it. Nihilism, it's over. How sad would it be to think that's the end of your life, that you come down to the end of your life and you believe that after death there's nothing. You just cease to exist. Listen, without Jesus, that's all the hope we have. Death is just the end. And I've done a number of funerals in my three years at Eastside, and death brings out the real us. We learn the truth about the strength of our faith in those dark moments. And I'm just telling you, it's been incredible to watch some of you have such steadfast, unmovable faith, not without tears, but with, with the peace that only comes when you know you have the answer to death because you have Jesus Christ. And even though it's your loved one in the coffin, you can have hope that death is not the end. Are there lots of tough questions? Absolutely. Are there plenty of unanswerable questions? Yes, I don't have them. The whys and the whats and the hows, those are hard. But the who is not. We can trust Jesus even in death. That's the point of John 11. Jesus is trying to get them to see he can raise Lazarus, that he's the answer to death. And if he has the answer to death, what can't he do? This is the kind of truth that will help give you hope as you deal with loss. As you approach the end of your life, your own appointment with death, Jesus has the answer to death. And Martha's knowledge of eternal life was abstract, but Jesus was saying, I'm the answer right here. Third question is, who's the conqueror of death? Who do you think the answer is? Jesus. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And it seems contradictory, but it's not. See, when Jesus is saying um, that, is, is that a believer is in Christ doesn't experience death as we understand it. So follow here. We think that death is the end of life. But Jesus is saying that for a believer, death is the continuation of life, but in the presence of God. See, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, Jesus looked at the thief on the cross and said, today you will be with me in paradise. All of those are examples and statements that prove the idea that death uh, being the end is false. Death for a believer is a continuation of life, but in a different form. And I don't mean that you take on the form of a different animal or a different creature. No, you're still yourself, but you're in the presence of God, continuing life. See, when a believer's life on earth ends, his life with God in heaven begins. Eternal life. And Jesus wants Martha and the others to believe him. And he wanted them to see him conquer death. So what does he do? Well, just a few verses later, um, he goes up to the, the tomb where Lazarus is and he says, take away the stone. And Martha says, wait, wait, wait. He's been dead four days. At this point, uh, Lord, then we know that he stinketh. And, and Jesus said, now didn't I, we, we already talked about this, basically. So they took the stone away and then he prays to the Lord. He says, Father, I thank you that thou hast heard me. And he basically, he prays this prayer. I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And then with three short words, he says, Lazarus, come forth. 
And guess who walks out of the grave? Lazarus. And he's still tied up. And Jesus says, will somebody loose him? Unwrap him? Let him go. And Lazarus is alive. And you say, well, what's the point of this? The point is that Jesus was letting them see. I am the master over death. I have the answers to death. And I have conquered death. And in case you're wondering, just about a month or two, not very long later, Jesus himself came out of the grave. Proving that he is the master and the answer and the conqueror over death. It's like, you know, Martha thought victory over death comes in the future. But Jesus says, no, victory is a present reality for the believer. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. It affects me today. Because I know who holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. See, you don't have to wait to enjoy eternal life. Because Jesus conquered Death, And I want you to, here we make a transition that's very important. But he didn't just conquer death for Lazarus. And he didn't just conquer death for Mary and Martha and the disciples. And when he walked out of the grave, it gives us the confidence to say like the Apostle Paul, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth them the victory? No, which giveth us the victory... Through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ proved his power over death. And he makes that power available to you. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, he says. He is willing to apply his power over death to your life. That's the greatest news I've ever heard. I've literally never heard anything better than that. That Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he wants to apply that power to my life. That's better than, than the Easter bunny helping the little boy win the race. Let's suppose Elon Musk, he's been in the news this week. Let's suppose he made an announcement that he's going to have a lottery. And, and he's going to pick a random American's name out of a hat on TV. I was going to say live on Twitter, but I don't know if that's going to happen now. But <laughs> on TV, he's going to have a, a lottery and he's going to pull a name out of the hat, and everybody's name is in the hat. It's a big hat. Could be your name. And the person whose name gets pulled out of the hat, Elon Musk gives them $10 million. First, would you watch it? I would. <laughs> Well, let's suppose your name gets pulled out of that hat. Elon Musk pulls your name out of the hat and he reads your name on, on live TV in front of everybody and, and, and he somehow picks your name. Would you be excited about that? Well, I mean, uh, those of us in here that are very spiritual say, I don't want $10 million. Okay, from a very human standpoint, would you be excited about your name getting pulled out of the hat? Yes. Could you use a little extra money? Yes. And that $10 million would be a little extra money. Okay. Well, this is way, way beyond that. 
See, Jesus Christ didn't just pick one name. Yeah, he said Lazarus come forth, but he's picked everybody's name, including yours. And he says, I want to apply my power over death to your life. That's pretty exciting. That's better than $10 million. Because $10 million, you may just get 75 years to spend it. But if Jesus Christ applies his power over death to you, you get to eternity to enjoy that gift. And the reason that's exciting is because someday we're going to be the ones in the casket. And to this point, we've asked three questions. Who's the master over death? Who is it? Okay. Who has the answers to death? Who is it? Who has conquered death? Okay, there's one more question though. Who, there you go, Sam. A little late, but good. Okay, here's the fourth question though. Who decides if his power over death gets applied to your life? It may seem like the answer is Jesus, but it's not. Now, in a sense it is because he died for you. He made a choice. But he died for everybody. He died for you and you and you and you and me and everybody. He picked everybody's name out of the hat. And he's made the offer to apply his power over death to our lives. And without thinking, we might say, well, Jesus decides. But that's not the question. The question is who decides if it gets applied he made the offer, he already died, he already rose again, but that doesn't mean it's a done deal. See, Elon Musk, if he's making that announcement, let's go back to that scenario, and he makes the announcement, and he says, uh, Wade Chambers, $10 million, and he says, so here you, Wade, he looks at the camera, says, Wade Chambers, here's all I require of you now. You pick up the phone, and you call this number and accept my offer, I'm waiting to hear from you. Wade gets excited and he gets on Facebook and he, and he gets on his bike and he rides through the streets and tells everybody, I won $10 million. But what if he never picks up the phone? See, the offer has been made and the resources are there and, and there, the offer stands, but the resources won't get applied until Wade makes the call. So in the end, the question is, who decides if Christ's power gets applied to my life? Well, the answer is you decide. Jesus asked Martha, believest thou this? I'm the resurrection and the life. All of these things are true. Do you believe it? That's what he asked Martha. He, he made her come to the terms with whether or not she believed it. Basically, do you believe I'm the resurrection and the life? This is how the Lord operates. Listen, he has eternal life. He has power over death. But he has never once ever forced anybody to receive the benefits that he offers. That part comes down to your choice and mine. And the most important question that you can answer today is this. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus mastered death? Do you believe that he is the answer and that he conquered death and that he offers that power to you? You might be saying, well, yes, I do believe it. I'm not talking about acknowledging it. I'm talking about accepting it. 
Because if you truly believe, then it's time for you today on April 17th, Easter morning at 1154. If you say you believe that Jesus is the conqueror of death and that he offers that power to you, then it is time for you to make a choice. And Martha in verse 27, she didn't just acknowledge what Jesus said. She, she was placing her trust in Jesus. She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She said, Yea, Lord. You know what she said? Lord, you're my master. You're the boss of me. She was submitting to him. And see, that's a choice we must make. Because you don't just get his power applied and then get to do whatever you want to do after that. No, when you say, yes, God, Jesus, I want you to apply your power over death to my life. You are also saying, Lord, I'm going to live for you. Now, living for Jesus doesn't make you saved. But if you truly get saved, the only natural response will be, I need to live for Jesus. She said, also thou art the Christ, which means Messiah, which means Savior. She knew that he was the only way to have her sins forgiven. She said, you are the Son of God, which means she was saying, there's no other way to have eternal life and to enjoy the resurrection except for you. You're it. So when Jesus asked her, do you believe it? She didn't just acknowledge it. She was placing her faith in Jesus for eternal Life. She made a decision based on what she believed. And I'm just telling you this morning, belief is more than head knowledge. Belief means we place our trust in Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why would you? Well, he's the master of death. He's the answer to death. He has conquered death. And listen, his power can be applied to your life. He forces no one, but he accepts everyone. And the reason you need this is not just because you're going to die physically, although you will. No, the reason you really need it is because of spiritual death. See, we're all sinners. And if you haven't listened to anything to this point, listen to this. You are a sinner before God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one, including me, including everybody in here. We are all sinners and we stand guilty before God. And because we stand guilty before God, the Bible says we deserve spiritual death because of our sin. The wages of sin is death. God demands death as a payment for our sin. And you are the one that's on the hook to make that payment unless something else happens. Without Christ, we are without hope. Without Christ, this is all we have. But death is too big of an enemy. But God sent Jesus to our rescue. The resurrection and the life. The only one with the answer to sin, he came to die on a cross in your place. He was beaten, he was spit on, he was tortured and mocked, he was hung naked in front of his own family and friends, shamed publicly, they nailed him unmercifully to a cross and they hung him there on purpose to watch him die the slowest, most agonizing death he could have. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised from our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
He died in agony and shame because of me. His own father turned his back on him. Forsook him because he couldn't look at the sin that Jesus was bearing. And when he, the, that cross, though, that very cross is what provides forgiveness for our sins. And when he rose the third day, it proved his power over death. And now he offers you eternal life instead of spiritual death. Say, okay, I understand. How does it get applied? Well, like Martha, you must believe. Do you believe it? Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came from heaven to live on this earth 2,000 years ago? Do you believe that when he died on the cross, he died in your place, bearing your punishment and paying for your sins? Do you believe it? Do you believe that on Easter Sunday morning, he literally, physically, bodily, rose from the dead, never to die again. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus truly is the resurrection and the life and that he is able to remove the terror of death from our hearts from those who trust him? Do you believe it? I do. Okay, so here it is. Are you willing to place your faith in what only he can do? If so, would you accept Jesus this morning? We're not going to ask you to come and tithe and be the finished product. No, we're just asking that you would make the choice today. Place your faith in Jesus because if you die tomorrow and you don't have the conqueror and master and answer to death in your life, then you will die spiritually for eternity. But if you believe it, it's time to make a choice. Here's why. Because if he can conquer death, he can be trusted for eternal life. Your sin makes you lost, but Christ died for them. You just have to make the call. You decide whether or not you trust the person, the resurrection and the life of Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. If you're unwilling to place your trust in him to forgive your sins and give you eternal life, then you don't really believe it. You understand there's a difference there because if you truly believed it then you would recognize if I die without it I'm doomed for eternity but I'm not going to make a choice today no belief demands a decision belief demands that you come to the end of yourself and you say you're the answer you're the conqueror you're the master and I receive it if he can conquer death, he can be trusted for eternal life. And you might say, well, I'm trying my own thing. But to say that means you're claiming you can be the resurrection and the life. Okay? Do you believe you can figure out how to have power over death? Do you believe that you could raise yourself once you die? Do you believe that you can figure out how to have eternal life without help from somebody else? As far as I can see, nobody raises their hands because we know we can't. So maybe it's time to come to the end of your plan and trust in the plan that works. 
Our path to heaven always leads to death. That's what we're capable of. That's it. But his path to heaven is eternal life. And I go back to what the Ukrainian folks told the Spillmans. How terrible that one bad man can cause so many to suffer. But that's the end of our plans. There's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. When Christ is not a part of it, we always end up in death. But the opposite is true of Jesus. See, he's the resurrection and the life. And about him, you might say, how amazing that one sinless man can bring life to so many. So while Putin brings death and suffering to so many, the master and conqueror and answer to death brings eternal life to so many. And he offers it to you and the choice is yours. And I don't want to beg you, but I'm just going to stand here and tell you, urgently speaking, if you die without it, you have to figure death out on your own. And if he can conquer death, trust him for life. It's the only choice. I'm going to ask you a few questions. I'm going to start with believers in the room. Believer, are you trusting Christ with every area of your life? Listen, if he can conquer death, you can trust him with your life. So whatever you're facing, whatever you're carrying this morning, your finances, your, your children, and your health, work, circumstances, whatever it is, if he can conquer death, why don't you let him handle that problem in your life? But to the unbeliever, those that haven't believed, what's keeping you from trusting Christ to be saved? See, whatever holds you back isn't nearly as important as eternal life. And it's time to make a choice. Do you honestly think your plan for death is, as a mortal is better than his as the resurrection and the life? If he conquered death, you can trust him. Will you this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I'm going to ask you a question. Nobody's looking around. And I'm not going to require you to stand. I'm not going to, I just want, to, just want to know. First of all, I, I'm going to ask this one. Do you know for sure that if you died today, you'd spend eternity in heaven? If you know for sure, would you just raise your hand? Looking around the room and plenty of hands going up. And that's a blessing. Thank you. Okay, look around the room. That's a blessing. It means you know, okay, Christian, is there anything in your life then that you're trying to carry that you should let him carry? If he conquered death, he can handle your life. But to the second category of people, I look around the room and ask this question. Without embarrassing you, nobody's looking around. If you died today, you might say, I don't know that if I died today, I would be on my way to heaven for eternity. I don't know. And you say, just, I just, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But you say, I don't know if I died today. I don't have confidence that if I died today that I would be on my way to heaven. I don't know. Anybody in the room that would raise their hand for that? Just look around the room. Okay, I see one there. Okay, thank you. You can put your hand down. Okay, anybody to my right over here? I'm just scanning. I see this one hand. Thank you for raising your hand and being honest. Anybody to my left? You say, I don't know. And listen, I know it's a little embarrassing to raise your hand. I'm not going to point you out. I'm just going to pray for you. Anybody that say, I don't know that if I died today, I'd be on my way to heaven. Okay, so we've got a hand. And we probably have more. 
maybe that didn't raise their hand. I'm just telling you this morning, if you will be willing to have the courage to step out, we'll have people down here that would show you from the Bible. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to, don't, nothing, nothing's going to be made a big show of. I'm just going to encourage you to not wait on this because you don't know what today holds. Would you be willing to place your trust in Christ? The responsibility to have his power applied to your life is not up to him anymore. He's done the work. It's up to you. Let's stand together. Every head bowed, remain uh, in an attitude of prayer. And I want to encourage you this morning, if the Lord's spoken to your heart, especially those who maybe the Lord has worked on about salvation, would you be willing to step out this morning? Father, we thank you for the way that you work. We thank you for your spirit working in us. And there are people here, I know, that don't have salvation and they're not sure. God, would you give them the courage to step out and especially this hand that says, I'm not sure. Lord, give, her, give them the courage to step out and not be embarrassed and not to hold back, but to have the courage to say, this is important enough that I will make a decision this morning. My eternity depends on it. God, we pray for you to have your will and way. Give us freedom and liberty in this invitation in Jesus' name. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.